In the U.S. government, there's only one team equipped to take on the scourge of voter fraud. Hey! <laughs> oh, I guess that's us. And you, and you, and you, and you. You're all in. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1 FM, 102.9 FM WLPP in Palinville, New York, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard coast-to-coast coast and around the globe, streaming on the intertubes on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow and member of the uh, U.S. government voter fraud squad. (laughs) Uh, And also from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling adventure that we call the Bradcast. Uh, of course, at at the top, you heard that uh, uh, that intro uh, about the the uh, the voter fraud uh, squad. Uh, check out the video at all after the show. Of course, wait until you've enjoyed your broadcast, and then go over to bradblog.com. Check out this two minute video from Save the Day dot Vote uh, on the fraud squad. It's actually pretty funny. It's a two-minute video. Yes. Uh, you, have, you, have you seen it, Des? Yes, it's okay. hilarious. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> Very well done. Yes. Uh, and, uh, anyway, uh, so check that out. Uh, we like to uh, put our corrections. When we screw up here, we like to, when possible, put them right up front. And I screwed up on something yesterday that uh, was caught by uh, Brian Marin over on Facebook. You can... Um, Reach me anytime via the Facebooks or the Twitters, as we like to say. I am the Brad blog in both places. And uh, Brian uh, points out we were talking yesterday about uh, voting machines and uh, touch specifically touchscreen voting systems that are already reported as flipping in a number of states, flipping from one candidate to the other, um, which happens every year, every election year, time and time again. Because uh, so many of these states still hate their voters enough that they uh, require them to use these horrible 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems and they never get rid of them. Um, uh, Now, uh, some states are finally moving away from them, but they're still used in a whole bunch of states. And we were covering uh, the fact that uh, people are reporting their votes uh, flipping from Republican to Democrat in uh, parts of Texas 
in a number of instances in Texas, and you've got uh, you know folks as usual saying, uh, why doesn't this ever happen? Again, in this case, Republicans. Why doesn't this ever happen to Democrats? And only notice how these votes only flip from Republican to Democratic. Well, not really. They didn't pay attention to uh, <laughs> the fact that it's also happened in other states, uh, including uh, now in a number of states we're seeing reports of votes flipping from the Democratic candidate to the Republican candidate. My point being, we should never be using these machines a and B, it happens to all the parties and uh, C, it's probably not that in and of itself is probably not somebody trying to rig the vote. It's probably because we use these crappy touchscreens. If you were trying to rig the vote, there'd be no reason to show it on screen. Instead, if you wanted to you know, hack the software in some fashion, let people go ahead and vote for candidate A and then record it as candidate B inside the machine. Nobody would ever know better and you'd get away with it. But I had mentioned uh, a number of incidents that were uh, being reported around the country and I reported a couple of incidents out of Maryland. And that's where Brian Marin noticed uh, he on Facebook. He said, FYI, early voting hasn't started in Maryland yet. The story you read yesterday was bunk. And indeed, he's uh, he's right. Early voting hadn't yet started in Maryland. And what I was reading accidentally was from a collection of a bunch of reports that had come in. And the ones in Maryland were from 2014. So uh, or, or 22, I can't remember now, uh, but they were from a previous election and they were mixed in with some others. So my apologies for getting that wrong. It did happen in Maryland. Maryland is moving away from touchscreens to paper ballots. Finally, I don't know if they're getting there this year or not. I wasn't able to uh, check before airtime here uh, in any event. Uh, thank you for the correction, uh, Brian. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, good catch, Brian. And oh, hi, uh, Desi. Doyen. Oh, hi. I yes, didn't I'm here. I get to say hi to you, <laughs> our producer, Desi Doyen. Uh, okay. Uh, in the meantime, on early voting, uh, much as uh, w w well, we've been talking about uh, Texas uh, specifically. You you saw the votes flipping there, but also the big, big early turnout, early voter turnout in the great state of Texas, Desi's uh, old home home state there. Yep. Um, and uh, we've been talking a lot about Texas this year and actually for the last several because for years, Republicans there have been trying to keep Democratic-leaning voters from voting by putting in place these... Uh, discriminatory photo ID voting restriction laws. And it's not just me saying they're discriminatory. It is uh, court after court after court who has looked at Texas laws, found it to be unconstitutional, a violation of the Voting Rights Act, and most importantly, that it uh, dis uh, disproportionately discriminates against uh, minority voters. And again, that's not just a few courts. That's all the courts that have looked at this in the state of Texas, including the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the most conservative court of appeals in the land. Yeah, Des, you had a, a How thought? many courts? Uh, what did I? All the courts. Right. <laughs> all the courts. All the courts. Uh, okay, so uh, what the courts have ordered, including that most uh, conservative court in the land, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, had ordered Texas to soften their photo ID restriction from this very, very strict set of IDs that could be uh, only five or six IDs that could be used uh, to kind of uh, pretty much what they used to have, which was everyone had to show an ID of some sort, but there was a wider range of IDs like bank statements and paycheck stubs and government documents and so forth that have your name and address on it. Uh, so now 
They've ordered that softened. You can uh, voters can if they don't have one of the strict IDs required under that law, they may now vote with one of these other uh, IDs and sign a uh, a declaration, basically saying that they had a reasonable impediment to you know getting one of those very few types of IDs. Well. And if they do that, by the way, if they show a different ID and they sign that declaration, they cannot be challenged by poll workers, by uh, poll watchers or by anyone else. This by court decree, a court order, a federal court order that the state of Texas has agreed to. Well, you'll be shocked to learn that the state of Texas uh, is not actually holding up their end of the bargain. That was actually discovered a couple of weeks ago when they were putting out materials that inaccurately represented this court order. But now that early voting is open, we are seeing actual signs at actual polling places that they are not following the court order as they are supposed to. The coalition, the Texas Election Protection Coalition, made up of a bunch of civil rights and voting rights groups and attorneys and so forth, uh, put out a press release yesterday saying that in the past two days since early voting began, they've received over 200 calls and email reports to the Election Protection Hotline at 866-HOUR-VOTE about inaccurate voter ID information at early voting locations across the state, Uh, Also, long lines, machine malfunctions, and uh, reports of intimidation. Initial uh, information suggests that much confusion remains about the recent changes in the Texas photo ID law. Yeah, no kidding. Um, They're seeing uh, reports of problems in Bear, Dallas, Denton, El Paso, Hayes, McLennan, and Travis counties at a minimum. The poll workers are apparently posting misleading or inaccurate information regarding the need for the photo ID Uh, And uh, in one instance, a uh, voter reported to the election protection uh, hotline that they were turned away from the polls for a lack of ID. Texas Tribune uh, says this much is clear after two days of early voting in Texas. Legal wrangling over the state's voter uh, voter identification law is stirring confusion at the polls. Among the complaints uh, in pockets of Texas, years old posters inaccurately describing the rules. More than a dozen instances in Bear County. That's uh, that's around San Antonio, San Antonio. Right. Uh, and poll workers who were reluctant to tell voters that some could cast ballots without photo identification. A survey this month uh, by the University of Houston Hobby School of Public Affairs illustrated the problem. They found that of 1,000 registered Texas voters, 44 percent said they believed the state required a government-issued photo ID to vote, while 26 percent said that it wasn't required. Just 26 percent. Now, the fact of the matter is uh, that 44 percent was wrong. The 26 percent, they are right. Uh, and then the rest who said they didn't know, well, they don't know. And so that's, they need that's a to huge yeah. number of people yeah. that are either confused or don't know. Correct. Uh, they're doing a terrible job. Uh, for example, in one instance, uh, uh, lawyers for the Mexican-American Legal Defense Fund said they spotted outdated posters. Those still describe the strict 2011 ID rules without the new caveats. That uh, They found that hanging in at least 14 of the county's 43 polling places at various points uh, during early voting. This was found in a lot of counties. The incorrect information and poll workers were giving the wrong information. 
Uh, they were telling people, have your photo IDs ready to vote, telling that to people in line. Uh, and uh, then one of the uh, election protection workers uh, challenged the poll workers omission. She didn't mention, she said, have your ID, photo ID ready to vote, but didn't mention uh, that there are additional opportunities to vote, even if you don't have the photo ID. Uh, and uh, one of these uh, protection workers uh, told this uh, poll worker about it, and the poll worker refused to alter her routine until finally an on-site election judge uh, stepped in and uh, corrected her. So um, know the laws. Know the laws in your state. They're different everywhere, and they've been changing. Uh, you can find them out. I, I did confirm by going to Google and just typing in voter ID your state. So voter ID Texas, and you'll get that information. Uh, for example, if you type in voter ID Texas, it will tell you that the in-person voting requirements bring one of the following. The ID must be current or expired for less than four years. You must uh, bring a Texas driver's license, a Texas election ID cert certificate, a Texas personal ID card, Texas license to carry a handgun. Yeah, that'll get you in but not a student ID, uh, U.S. military ID card with your photograph on it, U.S. citizenship cert certificate containing your photograph, or a U.S. passport. However, they add at Google, helpfully, if you don't have any one of those, uh, you'll need to sign a sworn statement that there's a reason why you don't have one of the IDs listed above, and you must bring one of the following, a valid voter registration certificate, a, cer uh, a certified birth certificate, a current utility bill, a government check, pay stub or a bank statement, uh, copy of or or uh, of or an original uh, government document with your name and address on it. So find out before you head out to the polls and um, oh, uh, vote by mail uh, requirements for ID. There are none. It's not uh, not required because, you know, that's where the voter fraud actually does occur is via absentee. Uh, but more Republicans vote via absentee in Texas. So no sense in risking losing those votes. What's really interesting about this Texas Tribune story yeah. shows the importance of having people who are there to protect voters at individual polling places. Indeed. Uh, sign up to be a poll watcher. There's a lot of groups out there that are uh, that are doing this. You can you know call the political parties and volunteer your time to help people, help people understand the law and uh, frankly, help poll workers from giving inaccurate uh, misinformation to voters. Um, so uh, did, I, did I mention that your reason for signing that uh, declaration in Texas may not be questioned by poll workers or poll observers or judges, etc.? That's that's a court order. They are literally not allowed to ask Correct. you. Uh, that's right. And again, that is uh, by way of court order from the most conservative court in the nation. Uh, which determined that Texas has been disproportionately disadvanta uh, disadvantaging and disenfranchising black and Hispanic voters, uh, among others, uh, who, as the Texas Republican Party knows very well when they created this law in the first place, uh, those folks tend to vote Democratic. So uh, learn your laws. OK, I've got just a minute or so here. I, I know our guest is standing by, uh, but I want to point out uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the polls and uh, Hillary Clinton uh, doing uh, very well against Donald Trump, though we have a whole bunch of other races that are really important. And even at that, 
the polls uh, may not reflect the way America actually feels. Uh, Bill Weld, uh, Governor Bill Weld, who is the pres- vice presidential nominee on the libertarian ticket with Gary Johnson, gave a, a really interesting speech today. We're not going to have time to play it, maybe tomorrow, but uh, he said something at uh, the end. Essentially, in the speech, uh, he was talking about Donald Trump, how concerned he is, and sort of suggesting that maybe People may want to consider voting for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump or even uh, instead of the Libertarian Party. But he had this to say uh, in remarks after the address. I'm one of those who thinks that there's a hidden Trump vote out there of maybe 3%, maybe more, of people who don't want to tell pollsters that they're voting for Donald Trump. So I'm not at all relaxed about the outcome of this election. Uh, I'm with Bill Weld. I wouldn't uh, relax anywhere about anything at this point. I would take nothing for granted in any state. Uh, And uh, we've got an example of that uh, down in Florida. Uh, A new poll today shows Donald Trump up in the state of Florida. Now, he can't win the White House pretty much unless he wins the state of Florida. Hillary Clinton had been leading there in most polls, but now a new uh, Bloomberg politics poll by the pollster uh, J. Ann Seltzer, which is an A-plus polling outfit, according to 538.com. Uh, the best. There's not a lot of A-plus outfits. This is one of them. They find that Donald Trump now leads Hillary Clinton by two points in Florida, 45 to 43. Uh, and he is uh, leading uh, pretty strongly in this poll, 44 to 37, among independents in the state of Florida when third-party candidates are included. Uh, The pollster, J.N. Seltzer, says this race may come down to the independent vote. Right now, they tilt for Trump in Florida by a narrow margin. Uh, They opted for Obama over Romney in 2012, but now that is going the other way. Also uh, in this uh, Seltzer poll, uh, Republican Senator Marco Rubio leads 51-41, 10 points over the Democratic uh, Congressman Patrick Murphy in Florida's U.S. Senate contest. So uh, voters are wise uh, to take nothing for granted. That race alone could end up determining who controls the U.S. Uh, Senate. But uh, as according to uh, Wall Street Journal, there are also four of the most competitive House races are in Florida, and that could be key to the Republicans holding on to control of the U.S. House. But there are also some statewide ballot initiatives uh, in Florida that are also important, and not just to the state of Florida, but potentially to the entire country and even, dare I say it, the entire globe. And right now, there's a whole bunch of really wealthy people hoping that Florida voters will fall for a scam initiative that is on the Sunshine State's ballot this year. It is known as Amendment 1. And we'll talk about that right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. What the public hears over the public airwaves matters. Without an informed electorate, we've got, well, we got what we have right now. We do our best on The Bradcast five days a week to balance that with accurate reporting on issues that actually matter. We don't always get it right, but we try like hell to do so. And we do it all independently and without the influence of corporate or political funding. But we can't do it without you. Please don't presume others will step up. We need you to help us keep doing what Desi Doyen and myself try to do every day on the broadcast. Please help us continue to do so by going to bradblog.com donate 
to help keep the broadcast going and telling the truth over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. Don't wait. Please stop by today. Thanks. Might as well be. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, beyond the presidential race and even beyond the U.S. Senate and U.S. House and gubernatorial and even some state and local races, there are also a bunch of initiatives and referenda on ballots around the country this November. As usual, some of those ballot initiatives are, you'll be shocked to learn, deceptive. Uh, Though the power companies in the state of Florida may have really hit the jackpot with Amendment 1 on ballots in the, uh, ironically enough, sunshine state this year, the ballot measure Amendment 1 sounds fantastic. It says that it, uh, quote, establishes a right under Florida's Constitution for consumers to own or lease solar equipment installed on their property to generate electricity for their own use. And... As if that's not good enough, it's sponsored by a group called Consumers for Smart Solar. Sounds fantastic. You will be shocked to learn, however, that it's not so fantastic. According to uh, critics, the measure, backed by Florida's major fossil fuel utility companies, including the state's biggest utilities like Gulf Power and Duke Energy and other companies like ExxonMobil, in close association with a broad network of uh, right-wing Koch brothers-funded think tanks and lobbying groups, the measure is deceptive. It is actually anti-solar, not pro-solar, according to critics, and is actually designed to hinder the growth of rooftop rooftop solar in the Sunshine State. Worse, as investigative reporters and environmental advocates have discovered, the amendment was placed on the ballot with the support of tens of millions of dollars from those utility companies, instead of a competing initiative from a real, not AstroTurf group called Floridians for Solar Choice. As the Orlando Sentinel's Beth Kassab reported last year when both initiatives were gathering petitions to get onto the ballot, potential signers were very confused about these two different initiatives that were circulating. Kassab cites a woman named Melissa Martin who was waiting for a friend's flight to arrive at the Orlando International Airport when she was duped into signing a petition for a solar energy amendment that she didn't want to support. The woman with a clipboard handed her the green petition and assured Martin she was signing for a measure that is pro-people and, quote, anti-monopoly. She said, I did remember seeing a little heading on top of the literature that said smart solar on it, but it wasn't the amendment she thought that she was signing. The Floridians for Solar Choice Amendment was supported by a real coalition of environmental groups like the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy, as well as conservative Christian organizations and solar energy companies. And it might have done to big utility companies in Florida what Uber, for example, has done to traditional taxis. That uh, measure would have made it easier for homeowners and businesses to generate their own solar power by leasing solar panels and buying power from solar energy companies. Those companies 
uh, and their panels would then be in direct competition with the big state utilities like Florida Power and Light and Gulf Power and Duke Energy. So instead, the utility companies created their own AstroTurf amendment called Consumers for Smart Solar. And it was their much better funded campaign that succeeded in making it onto this year's ballot. Now, one of the leaders of uh, one of the uh, uh, so-called think tank groups which uh, support the AstroTurf measure, a group by the name of the James Madison Institute, one of their leaders has been caught on tape admitting to the scam uh, that it was specifically designed to confuse Florida voters. Now, this uh, this audio, this this is not one of those tapes created by, uh, you know, these right wing hucksters like James O'Keefe, in which he uses hidden cameras and and uh, scams folks into saying certain things on video that can then be edited out of context to represent something that they are not. This is actually by a guy, a guy by the name of uh, Sal Nuzo, I think is N-U-Z-Z-O. I'm pretty sure it's not nutso, but, you know, could be. Sal Nuzo speaking to a group called the State Policy Network, a very well-funded national group that uh, that pushes these kind of right-wing pro-corporation policies all over the country. Here's Nuzo uh, during a presentation at the group's State Energy Environmental Leadership Summit earlier this month, I believe, admitting that the amendment... Uh, that they got onto the ballot uh, was, quote, an incredibly savvy maneuver. He calls it a, po- a bit of political jujitsu meant to completely negate anything that the pro-solar advocates would try to do either legislatively or constitutionally down the road. Consumers for uh, Smart Solar not only conducted the research, but then also in what I would consider an incredibly savvy maneuver, they put forth their own constitutional ballot initiative. That ballot initiative also gathered the 700,000 signatures, but what it said was individuals have the uh, right to own solar equipment, they have the right to install solar equipment and lease it, they have the right to generate as much electricity as they can, it acknowledges, acknowledges net metering policies in the state. What they don't have the right to do is do uh, is generate their um, their utilities for their for their when the sun is out and uh, and receive utilities from traditional utilities while shifting costs onto other ratepayers. So it essentially negated exactly what uh, the challenge was and what the uh, Southern Alliance for Clean Energy and Tom Steyer and all of these other folks were were after. Now we'll get into some of those details and what Nuzo was talking about there, but essentially uh, he admitted that the Floridians for Solar Choice, uh, the real solar amendment that they were trying to get on the ballot, that it was polling very, very well in the 70s among voters, uh, particularly as it was supported by both progressives and Tea Partiers alike, like the uh, coalition, the Green Tea groups that are out there. He admitted that solar power was very popular across the board, which is why it was necessary for utility companies to create deceptive initiatives that would essentially trick voters. It's got some staying power. The point I would make, maybe the takeaway, is you guys look at policy in your state or constitutional ballot initiatives in your state, remember this, solar polls very well. To the degree that we can use a little bit of political jujitsu and take what they're uh, kind of hitting us on 
and use it to our benefit, either in policy, in legislation, or in constitutional referendums, if that's the direction we want to take, use the language of promoting solar and kind of, kind of put in these protections for consumers uh, that kind of choose not to uh, install rooftop. <laughs> Now that uh, that audio was initially incredible. Uh, put put in uh, language that sounds as if it's uh, pro solar. That audio was initially leaked to and released by the Center for Media and Democracy and the Energy and Policy Institute last week. Since then, the utility companies backing Florida's deceptive Amendment One have been trying to distance themselves from Newzo and the James Madison Institute, claiming they got nothing to do with them. But as further reporting by the folks at CMD and the Energy and Policy Institute have discovered, the groups are all linked very closely, even as the so-called uh, Floridians for Smart Solar Backers uh, or whatever. See, I've confused myself. Coalition. Uh, I think it's the Coalition for Smart Solar. I don't know. That's how well this works. Uh, even as those backers have been uh, furiously deleting tweets and Facebook posts that previously linked to the James Madison Institute, here to explain this amazingly scammy mess that is now on the ballots, even as we speak for Florida voters, is David Pomerantz. Uh, he is the executive director of the Energy and Policy Institute, a nonprofit watchdog dedicated to exposing attacks on renewable energy and countering misinformation by fossil fuel corporations, utility interests, and front groups through investigative research, analysis, and strategic communications. I guess he's kind of busy this year. Prior to joining uh, EPI, David spent eight years as a senior climate and energy campaigner with Greenpeace, helping major internet technology companies like Apple and Amazon to shift to 100% renewable energy sources. David Pomerantz, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great to have you here. Thanks for your work on this uh, on this story and exposing this. Uh, this is a really uh, a mess and a shameful scam, uh, it seems to me, David. Uh, and, and trying to figure out what actually happened here isn't easy. So first, let me ask, did I get anything? Was I egregiously wrong in, in, in that explanation as I was trying to make sense of all of this? No, no, Brad. That was admirable work to explain a uh, what's become a fairly complicated issue in Florida. Um, and it it can be confusing, and unfortunately, it's confusing by design. That's mm -hmm. really what these big electric power utilities in Florida uh, were aiming for. They wanted to confuse and deceive voters. They knew that um, if they had to fight this battle over solar power and, and its future in Florida on the merits, they would probably lose. And so they've gone for, you know, a mm -hmm. strategy of trying to trick people and... Um, you know, it, it, it makes it tough to cut through the fog uh, of, of what's actually going on down there. It, it does. And and here we have someone actually admitting it on audio that, yeah, they are trying to confuse voters, essentially. All right, let's try to unconfuse. Let's try to undeceive here uh, for a minute just so that we can understand what this amendment actually does, what the competing one did. I'm happy to see that the bulk of the Florida uh, newspapers down there have, have come out against this Amendment 1 scam. But explain to me, if you could, David Pomerantz, uh, the differences between the two competing ballot measures and specifically what, what the one that got onto the ballot actually does or doesn't do, just despite what it says. Let's start with that one, since that's the one that's on the ballot mm -hmm. and that 
uh, voters in Florida at least should know about. Uh, and by the way, there are, you know, this is probably the most uh, egregious case of this, but mm-hmm. these kinds of deceptive tactics of trying to convince people uh, that the utilities are pro-solar when in fact they're attacking it, that's something that's happening uh, not just in Florida. Florida might be the most egregious case of it. So even for your listeners who aren't in Florida, mm-hmm. this is... Um, this type of battle is coming to them soon if it's not already there. Yeah, and I have um, I got some further questions on that specifically, and that's one of the reasons I'm bringing this up because it's not just about Florida. But we'll get into that in a second. What 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 sure. would this amendment do so uh, the people can understand how scammy this actually is? Sure. So the, the amendment is called Amendment One, and it's pretty tricky. This is the amendment that is is paid for by twenty two million dollars of money from the uh, major electric utilities in Florida. Mm-hmm. And it says a couple things. The first thing it says is is the sort of really deceptive part. It tries to guarantee for people a right under Florida's constitution for people to own or lease solar equipment. Now, that sounds good, and that's that's the sort of dangerous part, is that somebody who doesn't know the whole backstory here walks into the voting booth, they see that, they say, hey, I'm for solar power, which almost everyone is mm-hmm. uh, in Florida and nationally. And they say, I like this. The trick is those rights, the right to own or lease solar equipment, everybody in Florida already has that. So, you know, the, if this thing were to pass, which I, you know, hopefully it won't, mm-hmm. uh, but the day after Election Day on November 9th, not a single Floridian would have any more rights to go solar or put solar panels on their rooftop than they did the day before the election. So that's basically just a sleight of hand. It, it's like putting in the Constitution you know, guaranteeing somebody's right to own a car or to buy a house. There are things that are already guaranteed, so it's really just a nice, um, Mm -hmm. tricky sleight of hand by the utilities. Uh, And it's the second part of the amendment where you start to see what they're really after. The second part is where they say that the amendment would ensure that consumers who do not choose to install solar are not required to subsidize Cost of backup power and electric grid access to those who do what also does that mean? might sound decent at face value. Yeah, what it really is is trying to do there is uh, set the table for an attack that the utilities would launch soon after the election that they've done in in many other states on many of the policies that allow people to go solar now, including, for instance, most people who have solar panels on their roof. They often make more electricity during the day they can actually use mm-hmm. and. In over 40 states, including Florida, there's a law that allows those people to sell that excess electricity back to the utility. So, you know, it goes to their neighbors, and they Mm -hmm. they get compensated for it, sort of like rollover credits Mm -hmm. on a cell phone bill. With this language, the Florida utilities are trying to set themselves up to have a constitutionally-based attack on that policy uh, so that they can make it less economic for people to put solar panels on the rooftops. It's the same attack that utilities have made in Nevada, where they were successful, Mm -hmm. at least for a time, and it essentially killed the rooftop solar industry in the state of Nevada. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened in a big part of Arizona. So we see the same playbook unfolding, and it's, you know, a very deceitful, deceptive way that the utilities are going about it, but that's what their ultimate end goal is, is to put a bunch of fees on people who have solar panels on their roof to make it harder for them to profit from the extra electricity they generate and be fairly compensated for it. 
and to attack all those policies that um, you know make it possible for people to have have solar panels. So uh, essentially, uh, w- when they add on these fees, then they uh, say that well, this is costing. Uh, costing the utility companies themselves to maintain the grid and so forth, and those fees are passed on to other customers who are not solar customers. Therefore, that makes it uh, illegal under this uh, constitution, uh, under this constitutional measure, and additional uh, laws that might be passed to support it. Uh, so it it's basically ends up limiting solar options in Florida rather than expanding them and yet appearing as if that's what it's meant to do. Am I essentially getting that? You're getting it exactly right. And I I should mention a couple things. One is that their argument is false. So there have been dozens of studies Mm -hmm. that have actually asked this question that, you know, when people put, if some people put solar panels on their roof, do the people who aren't yet able to put solar panels on their roof, do they have to pay more for that? And the answer, unequivocally, in any study that's not funded by utilities, has generally been no. When people put solar panels on the roof, it benefits everybody on the grid, not just them. Partly because it means the utility doesn't have to make have doesn't have to build more power plants that mm-hmm. everybody pays for. Um, it also reduces pollution, which is obviously good for everyone, whether you have solar panels or not. Mm-hmm. So this. People going solar, that's a win-win for everybody. Uh, but utilities are kind of using this this false argument and this false language of a subsidy or a cost shift um, to be able to have an excuse to, to put these fees on solar panels. And in this case, in Florida, they're not only trying to make that argument, but they're trying to hardwire it into the state's uh, constitution. Right, which makes it very difficult to unwind uh, by the legislature or, or a governor or whatever. you got to go back and have another ballot measure, essentially. Now, the Consumers for Solar Choice group, that was the real group, the not AstroTurf coalition, I guess, between uh, normally opposing folks from the uh, both the environmental community as well as the Tea Party community and so forth, who who all support uh, rooftop solar for maybe their own reasons, but they were working together. What would what would their amendment, which did not make it onto the ballot, what would that have done uh, had it, in fact, not been sort of sidelined by this other fake measure? Sure, and that and that group, and it is all confusing. There are so many names here by design, but that group is called uh, Floridians for Solar Choice, uh. and they're composed of um, environmentalists, sort of grassroots environmentalists, uh, mm-hmm. the the solar industry itself, mm-hmm. and some Tea Party groups. Who you know, regardless of how they feel about something like climate change, they have prob- they have a big problem with a monopoly utility from a free market standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they should be able to buy their electricity from anybody, not just Florida Power and Light or Duke. Uh, so what their ballot initiative would have done, had it been able to get on the ballot, would have opened up the market a bit more for solar in Florida. So, so unfortunately, the, the solar market in Florida is very stunted right now. Um, despite being known as the Sunshine State, actually doesn't have a whole lot of solar development yet. It's one big reason for that is that it's one of only four states left in the country that has a ban on people being able to buy electricity from anybody but their utility. Really? Which means in another state, in 46 other states, in fact, uh, if you want to put a solar panel on your house or on your business, you can do that a number of ways. You could buy the panels yourself uh, and have them installed. You could also have a company install the panels and own them, and you just buy the power from that company. 
called a power purchase agreement. Mm-hmm. That's illegal in Florida. And for years, wow. solar advocates have tried to change that law. But the utilities have so much power in the state capitol. They have so much power with legislators and governors who they increase with campaign contributions every cycle mm-hmm. that they haven't let it through. So this effort by Floridians for Solar Choice to get that first issue on the ballot was to lift that ban and really open up Florida to more solar development. So That, that was obviously a huge threat to the utilities, and so they came back and fought that off. Uh, with every trick in their books and won and ultimately got their amendment on the ballot, which, in fact, you know, will do the exact opposite. It'll further um, shrink the market for solar in Florida if it were to pass. Which keeps uh, companies like Solar City and Sunrun who come in and they say, we'll, uh, put the ba- we'll, we'll put the panels on your house for free and then sort of sell you the, uh, the energy. That is actually illegal in the state of Florida and this uh, Floridians for Solar Choice would have made that, I guess, legal via a ballot amendment. So the, uh, the, the this effort uh, by the utility companies, they like solar. They, they say, at least, they claim they like solar, uh, at least when it is when they own these, these big uh, utility-owned solar arrays. But they don't like it when it's rooftop solar because people don't buy the energy from them. Is that what all of this is about? Simply these monopolistic uh, utility companies trying to save their own business models here? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, people people can probably get this using just some common sense. The the your monopoly utility for mo- most people in this country have only one choice about who they buy their electricity from, and it's a monopoly utility. Those companies. They are selling you electricity. That's their product. That's how they make money. You know, the more people who, the the more electricity they're able to sell, the more power plants and transmission wires and uh, the more of the grid that they get to build out, and that's how they get to profit. So if people put solar panel on their homes or businesses, Mm -hmm. that's less power that the utilities get to sell. It's fewer power plants that they get to build. And it's less profit for them. So they're really just trying to control those monopolies and tighten them up and not let people have options for other places they can get their power from. Uh, Florida Power and Light and Duke Energy, these these utilities in Florida, they they do, I I think the subtext to their argument is, yeah, we're good with solar power, but let us be the ones to build it. Right. Uh, You know, that's... That's not right because we won't get as much solar if we leave it in their hands. Mm-hmm. It's also not what's actually happening. I mean, it, it would be one thing if these companies were out there building a ton of solar, uh, you know, large-scale power plants that they owned. Mostly they're still building gas plants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think even, even if you were to give them credit for the idea that, well, they like solar but they just want to own it, that's not even really what they're doing. They're still mostly based on fossil fuel, mm-hmm. and it's why... If we do want to go solar, as a society, the best chance we have to do that is to allow people the freedom to do it for themselves. And that's that's exactly the idea that this constitutional amendment threatens. Energy freedom. Uh, there's an idea. There's uh, something that I, I wish Democrats were out uh, talking about and progressives are using that, that phrase much more often uh, because it really does speak against what these uh, monopolistic uh, utility companies and fossil fuel groups are, are trying to do. Uh, you write in your coverage 
David Pomerantz, uh, that those tapes that I, I played a little bit of from Sal Nuzzo at the James Madison Institute, uh, that that institute, James Madison Institute or JMI, has ties to Gulf Power. They spent two point one million backing Amendment One. Uh, their uh, chair at JMI uh, on the board of directors is also a member of Gulf Power. Uh, the CEO of Gulf Power also serves on JMI's board. Uh, they all have ties to the Koch brothers. They received a total of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars between 2012 and 2014 uh, from the, the Koch Foundation and the Koch Institute. So how has Consumers for Smart Solar that's the utility-backed uh, group that got this amendment on there. Uh, and I hate even calling them consumers for smart solar. Uh, how have they responded to your reporting on their ties uh, to uh, Sal Nuzzo and, and the James Madison Institute? I understand they have been busy deleting tweets and links and everything else over the past few days. That's right. They, their initial response, just a brief bit of background for mm -hmm. consumers on Consumers for Smart Solar, they have nothing to do with consumers, and they are not for solar. So, this is a this is a utility back group. Mm -hmm. um, we actually looked into their financial contributions, and out of the twenty two million dollars they've received to run this ballot initiative, they only received contributions from twelve individuals mm -hmm. for a few hundred dollars, and mm -hmm. eleven of those were people who worked for the campaign. <laughs> so, their the total. Uh, amount that they've received from actual consumers is ten bucks. Wow! The other twenty-two million came from utilities. Wow! Um, wow! So that, that's the group we're talking about, right? And, uh, and yeah, and their their response was when this tape came out of of the gentleman from the James Madison Institute that you played. You know, it, it's so damning. I think most people kind of who were paying attention assumed already uh, that this was a very tricky effort. One of the uh, Florida's uh, Supreme Court justices called it a wolf in sheep's clothing. But this audio tape is the thing that really, you know, laid it out there bare for everyone. And so it was really problematic for this group, Consumers for Smart Solar. Their initial response was to distance themselves as much as possible from the James Madison Institute. They said, we've never heard of this guy. He was misspeaking. They really threw him personally <laughs> under the bus. Right. And they said you know, we've got nothing to do with them. Right. Well, we looked in the immediate aftermath of that Miami Herald story and saw that, in fact, as recently as the day before that story broke in the Miami Herald, Consumers for Smart Solar had tweeted out three times uh, about the James Madison Institute's support for Amendment 1. Mm. And they had done that uh, on Twitter and Facebook dozens of times going back to the summer. So, you know, we realized pretty quickly that this notion that they didn't know each other and had nothing to do with each other, that was just them trying to spin themselves out of a, uh, a situation that was uh, damaging for them and, and trying to do what was politically expedient. So we captured all that, and mm -hmm. then later uh, that night, this past Thursday, saw that they had been actually deleting as quickly as they could as many of those uh, tweets and Facebook posts to back up that cover story. Wow. Um, and thankfully, we, we had been able to see that as it happened and w were able to get that to the press and, and you know, generate wow. some more coverage of the hijinks that these guys have been up to. <laughs> 
And and Nuzo even says in I think it was one of the clips we didn't play. He even says that this group, uh, Consumers for Smart Solar, came to us, came to us at the James Madison Institute, and asked them to create a report on uh, you know that they could then use because they were worried that uh, the other initiative was going to get the signatures it was needed. It was polling in the seventy percent range. So he actually admits on tape that, you know, they are tied to this uh, group. Uh, and and now, of course, this group, this dishonest group, which is the utility companies in the state of Florida and the Koch brothers and their network, their, uh, you know, octopus network of think tanks all over the country, not just in in Florida. Uh, now they're all uh, pretending never heard of it, don't know what's going on and uh, running for cover here. I only hope the Flo- uh, the voters of Florida understand this uh, before it's too late. I got to get uh, out here momentarily. David, but is is this initiative, is it polling well? Do we know anything? Will it pass in the state of Florida? Are, are voters falling for this? We really don't know. I mean, it's tricky. Uh, the utilities have so much money to spend on this, mm-hmm. and they have, you know, been spending it to trick people. Um, and as as we talked about right at the top, the, the language on the ballot itself is really deceptive. So mm-hmm. for people who haven't heard anything about this, unfortunately... Even if they support solar power, there's a risk that they'll vote the wrong way. I think what we have seen in the last couple of weeks, and particularly since this audio came out last week, is an absolute explosion of uh, news coverage, mm-hmm. both in, in traditional media and social media, of how much this, this thing is a wolf in sheep's clothing and how much it is very much an anti-solar amendment. Uh, every almost every single newspaper, if not every major newspaper in the state of Florida, has come out with harsh uh, rebukes of Amendment One and has endorsed a no vote. And so I think as we've seen more and more of that, uh, the hope is that people in Florida will get informed. They will hear from their friends and family and media sources that they trust, not to believe the lies, not to be um, played for suckers by these electric utilities mm-hmm. and uh, and that the vote will will come down no on November 8th. Well, David, uh, all of that is thanks in no small part to the great work that uh, you guys do at the Energy and Policy Institute. Uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, very quickly, uh, you mentioned other states. Are there are, are there similar amendments currently on ballots in other states like this, or is this just something we, we need to let the, the nation know about because uh, before it does get onto other ballots in other states in, uh, you know, in, in the next year or two? There are no ballot amendments about this in other states. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now for November. There are absolutely efforts by the utilities in dozens of states Mm. to uh, similarly attack solar, uh, to attack people's right to go solar, to make it more expensive for consumers to go solar. And that's happening both in uh, state legislatures and in public utility commissions around the country. Uh, And I'd particularly um, encourage your listeners to uh, have a look at what's happening in the Public Utility Commission in their state. Those are often sort of dark corners of state government where mm-hmm. the utilities very frequently have a lot of influence and get what they want. And um, the more people are paying attention and, and looking and, and noticing when utilities are in those commissions uh, trying to attack people's uh, right and ability to go solar, uh, the more they can 
defend against that. David Pomerantz, Executive Director of the Energy and Policy Institute, the nonprofit watchdog dedicated to exposing attacks on renewable energy and countering misinformation by the fossil fuel companies, utility interests, and the other front groups. Uh, David, great to have you here today. Uh, people can uh, find your work at energyandpolicy.org and on the Twitters at Energy and Policy. Do I have that right? You've got it. All right. Thank you, brother, and thanks for your good work. Keep it up, and I hope we'll talk to you again in the future. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. All right, a quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, you know, a, a week or so ago, Desi, I, we, we did an episode of, of the Bradcast here where I was trying to calm people down, trying to say everything <laughs> yes. was okay. You remember that? Yes, I do. Uh, yes, saying, I do. we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We will. We'll all pull together. Everything will be okay. Uh, Dale H. writes me at bradcast at bradblog.com to say, Dear Mr. Friedman, Oh, please, uh, Dale, call me Brad. Uh, while I understand that you feel it necessary to try to calm people down regarding the election, there are some things that you seem to be missing. Should, God forbid, T. Rump be elected and the Republicans have the House and Senate, there are many people for which things will not be just fine. I believe that marriage equality will be overturned and the Defense of Marriage Act will possibly be brought back. The Affordable Care Act, for as bad as it is, will be completely destroyed. Stop and frisk will be the norm not the exception. Women will face more obstacles to equality, not less. Nuclear war becomes far too imaginable, but I uh, hope still unlikely. Climate change, the topic for which your show seems to exist, <laughs> that's weird, will continue to multiply as coal, oil drilling, and fracking, along with all the other types of mining needed to frack, will increase. Social Security will be privatized, and those who are on disability uh, their days for all intentions will be numbered. I am on disability and I very much fear and rightfully so will lose it and become homeless. So please understand that for some groups of people and people in certain locations in the country, things will be anything more than just fine. Sincerely, Dale H. Uh, Dale, thanks for that note and the thoughts. You may have missed the top of that particular program when I was noting that uh, that that comment about you'll be OK was largely me projecting that thought uh, onto uh, onto everyone else, telling myself we'll be OK. Uh, sort of the way that Trump had been projecting his thoughts that they will conspire against you. They'll go after your family. They'll ruin your reputation, etc. You might might have missed that part of the show. Uh, so that will be OK theme uh, then ended up running throughout the show. But it was, of course, in no way meant to say we'll be OK if Trump is elected, uh, as you suggest. Uh, of course, I agree with you that we will be anything but OK in that event. And I've been making that argument uh, perhaps as long as anybody since I was warning about the dangers uh, of the likelihood of him winning the nomination from from day one when he entered the race back in uh, June of 2015, when everyone else thought it was unthinkable. 
Uh, so uh, this is by way of saying that I agree with all of the above. It was uh, miscommunicated to you somehow by me, and my apologies for that. Uh, Tom Hanks hosted Saturday Night Live over the weekend and actually had a very similar sentiment trying to uh, help the country know that everything would be okay. Here's Tom Hanks. You know, um, magazine cover recently called me America's Dad. And I would have preferred Sexiest Man Alive, but I will take it. Anyhow, America is feeling a little nervous these days. And I'm a responsible father, so I thought maybe it's time we had a little chat. Hey, buddy. There's my big growing nation. How you doing, champ? So, rough year, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear you. You got a lot going on inside you. Huh? You're feeling anxious and conflicted, and you're scared about what's going to happen next. Well, you are going to be fine. Remember when you went through that depression? This is nothing. You're just growing up, and you're in an awkward phase. For example, you may have noticed that your, your complexion is changing. You're getting it a little darker, and you're freaking out about it. But that's natural for a nation of immigrants like yourself. Also, you're a lot gayer than you used to be. Cool. So how you doing? You okay with money? Really? Because I heard you're in some debt. I'd like to help you out, but if I do, you're never gonna learn. Also, I don't have 19 trillion dollars. Something else I want to talk to you about. You got a lot of guns, kiddo. You need all those guns? All right, all right. Oh, wait, yeah, don't, I don't want to have that fight again. Let's just drop it, you know? Drop it. <laughs> hey, one thing you should know. We can smell it. The weed. It's like you're not even trying to hide it anymore. Look, all I came in here to say is, you are great. I know some people are saying China's better than you. And sure, you know, China might be popular right now. People don't understand how hard it is to be you. I mean, you got a summer birthday. That's always tough. That's, that's true. Also, you know, you are so dang creative. Think of everything you have done. You went to the moon. You invented the internet. You created a cannon that shoots t-shirts. All right, all right, look, I'm gonna get out of your hair. You got a big decision the next couple of weeks, but I know you're gonna make the right choice. As long as you think from here, and here, and not so much down there. <laughs> but no matter what happens, I'm proud of you. Now, enough of the sulking. I want you to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and go show the world what else you can stuff inside a pizza crust. Pound it, pound it. <laughs> oh, that's my man, that's my man. Tom Hanks on Saturday Night Live. I'll get out of your hair as well. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, David Pomerantz of the energyandpolicy.org, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it at bradblog.com anytime for free. You can drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.